Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I hardly knew Denise Crosby while we were filming Next Generation. We never had a real scene together, so we didn't have much of a chance to hang out. She is truly one of the most multi-talented, creative human beings you would ever want to meet. She has gorgeous taste in all things aesthetic and is fearless in all things creative. I am particularly pleased to share with you our conversation in this week's Investigates Who Do You Think You Are? I have a hunch you're going to learn just how astonishingly gifted this woman is when you listen to this week's episode. We had quite a lot of technical difficulties when we recorded, but after several false starts, we succeeded. Here's our conversation. Um, so this this is number six. Hello, Denise. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say hello to you for the rest of my life. So we might as well do it. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I was gonna say it's it's been quite a year, but I, I guess it's still going on on this year. Um, I mean, seriously, I, I the 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 challenges that you know all of us have faced and the adapting to, you know, so much has been, you know, unbelievable, extraordinary. I'm, I'm, I'm doing classes on, on zoom. I'm, I'm doing play readings on zoom. I'm, we're filming, as I said, in search of a pig on, on zoom and ninja, some sort of ninja SOS thing, God, whatever that is. And, um, crazy. it's a really different thing, the business now anyway, even before the pandemic, because Absolutely. actors actors were no longer going in and having an energy of reading with somebody with producers in the room, which I personally feel makes a huge difference. Oh, um, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's as much as there's a certain convenience of not schlepping, you know, across town to a casting office and, you know, you're being put on tape anyway. I mean, nobody's in the room, you know, hasn't been in the room for years. I know. And and it's, it really kind of disturbs me because what's happened is things get cast, the managers cast everything, it seems to me now. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm uh, getting very jaded about this, um, having to light myself, find someone to oh. read, you know, all of that. We, we're a production company, and it's it's not really our specialty. Our specialty is acting or directing. Well, or, absolutely. Yeah. And as I was saying, it's very left brain, right brain. Yeah. So, you know, this was the other day I had to um, – I had to read for something, put myself on tape. And, you know, and and I'm lucky because, you know, my husband is an actor, so he can. um, Right. He can read with you. Read with me, at least. I mean, I can't. Can you imagine you're married to, you know, some lawyer or accountant or something? (laughs) Hey, honey, you know, I got I got to I got to read this thing, you know, it's just insane. But, but, but then you're, yeah, you've got the ring light and you've got to put a sheet behind you for a, for a thing. And, um, man, I, I was going up all the time on my, my words because I couldn't set the camera right. Yeah. No, it's really, it's, uh, it's anxiety producing. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to say, I mean, this goes back to what I love. I mean, just for those who are listening, I, I thought I would start sort of by talking about how I actually got to know you because we had done Next Generation for a year, but I didn't really know you. Uh, you were on the bridge. I, uh, I was in sick bay. I was commuting twice a month to New York City, which was my home, uh, trying to see if that, you know, I had no idea if the show was going to go and I felt a fish out of water in LA. But afterwards when I heard from my friend, Larry Moss, that you were studying with him. And then I, I think I was artistic director of EST at that point, or had just started there uh, Mm -hmm. as artistic director. And I saw that you were in Orpheus Descending. And I went, oh, I love that play. 
I'm going to go see her. And it was way the hell across town. And you were magnificent. I loved watching you. And I just remember going, oh, my God, she's such a fabulous actor. Who knew from Star Trek? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Haley Frequency is open, sir? That's, that's right out of Tennessee Williams. Come on now. <laughs> uh, I mean, you were so wonderful. And I don't mean, I mean, obviously you did other things later, but in that first season, you really were not given much. And we had nothing together. So it was so cool to see how talented you were. And then... I I said, hey, you got to come over to Ensemble Studio Theater because I was really thinking they needed someone like you, and you got in, and uh, and then luckily I got you to audition for um, House of Gold, and you were incredible. You played this, and it was a surrealistic play, but it was Jean Benet's mother. And what I loved about working with you as an actor is that you were fearless. Mm. You would show the ugly parts of the character, the, you know, the, the anger, the all of the things, as well as the flirty side or something, but you really understood the play. And a lot of people wouldn't understand that play when they first would read it. But what I've connected with you through the years, I've connected with you on a level of the art we like. I think we both have similar tastes. And it's right. so wonderful to work with someone who gets it. Ah, well, I I feel one hundred percent the same. You know, with you, you, what you did with that play, um, you took it to a whole other level. I mean, that it, 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 I, I couldn't wait to do it. When you started showing, I remember um, Tony Pasqualini and I, you know, who played my husband in the play, when you started to show us your vision for this, um, I was just thrilled. I was so excited to be part of this. And I, I, I bemoan that we didn't go to New York with it because I, I really feel that it would have had a huge, um, reception and and it really would have, um, would have done some stuff there. Well, I, I agree. We were just as we were uh, selling out, just as we were selling out and starting to make money, we had such big bills for renting the projector for another week, renting the big mm. screens, and we had to close. It was a heartbreak for me. It was one of the, the most devastating experiences because we all knew it was really great. It was something special. And people yeah. would come and see it and said, oh, this is going to run in for five years, right? <laughs> I'm like, no, we're closing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I know. Oh. Well, it's a theater is filled with heartbreaks like that because there's so yeah. little f- funding, you know. It will break your heart, theater. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was just reading today. I mean, you know, I, the, the the actors. I mean, they were. There's a there's a profile of a, a young actress in the uh, L.A. Times who, you know, was just about to open in Hamilton at the Pantages. Right. You know, her dream come true and. Uh, you know, she, of course, it shut down the next day. And these guys haven't been able to, um, to do any of it. Yeah. So, all right. I want to talk about several things. Um, I want to talk about, first of all, where does the Michelle come from in your, in your name? It's your middle name. And I, I don't know why I never realized that until I was like researching you. Wow. Well, um, so my father was Dennis Michael. So okay. my mother, you know, sort of hewed to kept it kept it in the kept it in the vein, you know. I love it. Oh, very okay, wonderful. So can 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 we now when I talked to you the last time, you were so excited. It was about a month ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you had just heard from the son, I think I'm getting this right, the son of the lawyer who represented your father in the paternity case? Or represented was it, my mother. Oh, represented your mother. Okay. Yes. And t- can you share that? Yeah, I wish I had, I wish I had some more, um, you know, details. Uh, but, but what I, what, what did happen, what I, what I can share is, um, so out of the blue, uh, a gentleman named Todd Zerner called my home number 
and left a very detailed, warm message. Um, he was calling from Minnesota. He was a lawyer and he hoped that he wasn't overstepping, but he felt that he wanted to let me know that he is the son of Milton Zerner, who is the lawyer that represented my mother in a very um, famous paternity case. Um, and he was still alive. His father lived in the Valley here in LA. Yeah. Oh. He was 96 years old and still had all his chops. And he would love to talk to me about it if I cared to. Well, when wow. my husband played that message for me, I, I had to sit down. I was astounded that, yeah. I mean, so many things went through my head at once that the fact that, um, you know, the man was still alive and my mother is no longer here. Um, the possibility of getting, um, you know, getting to understand and it's such a, such a defining part of yeah. my life that, that is, is so f shrouded in, in mystery. Right. And, you know, so I immediately, I was, you know, after I dried the tears and, you know, caught my breath, I, you know, my, and my husband, Ken was, you know, just standing there, just going, he couldn't believe it was speechless. <laughs> um, I, I just, you, you know, I think I took a walk with my dog and called him from the walk. And he and I, we were both like sobbing, you know, yeah, this, yeah. Um, and he said, you know, I, I really, I really hesitated to make this call. I, I wasn't sure. And I said, well, of course you weren't, you would have no idea my reaction. You know, I could, um, I could have been, uh, I, I, you know, I could have been holding on to a, a story a narrative that, I didn't want touched. I didn't want shaken, you know, or re-examined. I mean, there's a million possibilities. And he, he said, absolutely. And he said, I ran it by, you know, I, I, I had your number. I said, how, by, how did you get my number? And he said, oh God, it's, it's so easy. You know, the internet, which this is, this is the, this is the um, sort of, uh, uh, catch 22 with this is of course you you're concerned that your private information is out on the internet. Right. However, had it not been, he would never have found me. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Right. So he, he, he dug this up and of course he lived, you know, he's like my age and he, um, remembers it very clearly. He remembers the case. How old, and, how, wait, how old were you when the case was going on? So I was three. I was three. And what uh, predicated this um, case, you know, for three, there was no, uh, for three years, there was no issue. I, I never lived with my father. He never um, uh, came to see me or anything like that. Um, my mother was raising me um, alone. And, you, and your your father is? Dennis Crosby, one of Bing right. Crosby's uh, four boys, his first right. uh, four boys. And um, he, uh, so he, uh, yet he was, you know, I carried the name. I was Bing's first grandchild. Um, <laughs> born. And, and uh, you know, I carried the name and um, I received $80 a week in child support. Well, my, my mother received $80 a week in child support. Oh my um, God. And there was no, there was no question. Well, I guess when I was three, um, the uh, law firm that was, you know, Bing's law firm, who are, by the way, still in practice, their name, I, I'll name them, O'Melveny and Myers. They're one of the hmm. biggest law firms in, in the country. Hmm. And um, they... Of course, Dennis, you know, my father was, it was Bing's money, I'm sure, you know, that was paying this child support. Well, they looked at the books and said, you know, this is, why is she, who is this? Why is she getting $80 a week? We don't even know. <laughs> this is really his kid. Wow. And they proceeded to file a paternity suit. Now, 
remember, this is pre-DNA tests. Yeah. That would just be a quick, you know, fix. The bastards. Oh, my God. How could they do that? Right? And it's oh. not like, you know, it's not like my mom's rolling in the dough, getting like, you know, 100000 a month or so. I mean, right. $80. And do you know they, it, and I got that check, by the way, and th- with my father's signature on the check. So it wasn't like he didn't know this was happening. He had to sign that check every week until the day I turned 21. Wow. And, um, you know, they made my mother, they would randomly call upon her to present receipts of where this money was being spent. Oh, my God. 300 and what, 320 bucks a month? Wow. I know. One of, the is... wealthiest, one of the wealthiest men in Hollywood. Oh, misogyny, misogyny, misogyny. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Power, power, money and power. But you got to wonder, I mean, you know, two of his sons committed suicide. You know, yeah. that doesn't just happen to a healthy, wholesome family. <laughs> no, yeah. You know, <laughs> unless I'm reading it wrong, I don't know. But, you know, that's. Um... So so t- uh, you and I, I mean, we've talked about your mom and I can only begin to imagine um, in just the faintest way, just how much this was just the, a horrible, horrible thing in her life to have this paternity suit. I mean, bad enough that she's having to raise the child on her own, but to have the paternity suit and have it, had it drag out three years. Mm. Well, it didn't drag out three years. I I'm okay. not sure how long it, it was. It was, um, it happened when I was three. I okay. have, I have a memory. I have memories of going to the courthouse. Wow. So, yeah. so they, they met you. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't remember if Bing was there. I certainly remember Dennis sitting, you know, at the, at the, uh, the one table and my mother sitting, you know, quietly um, with her lawyer. And at one point they tried to have me removed from the courtroom. The court, you can imagine the courtroom was packed. This was oh, a scandalous, God. you know, paparazzi driven care, you know, case. This was the front page of all the newspapers. We were living in a little studio apartment on La Mirada off of Vine Street. And my mother used to have to like climb out the bathroom window. Oh, geez. You know, to go to the trial. So she wouldn't be just, you know, the, the light bulbs flashing. And, um, you know, they tried to get me removed from the, um, from the courtroom at one point. And um, the judge in my, on my behalf said, absolutely not. This is this child's trial. And, you know, remember, this is a, this is in front of a jury. Oh my God. This is, this is so powerful. I know, I know. It's, um, so, you know, the, back to, back to this phone call in Milton. I mean, this was just, um, an extraordinary thing. We, we, we have talked on the phone. Um, you know, this, this, the pandemic of course makes it really difficult. You know, I, I can't, I can't go to his house. Um, so I'm sort of waiting, um, he's been, va- he's been vaccinated. He and his wife, um, I'm not yet. I can't, uh, you know, I'm not in the, whatever the tier and, but you know, I'm, I'm assuming I will be soon. And, um, you know, I really want, cause he has scrapbooks, he has boxes of stuff, man, that's powerful. Right. And then of course, Todd, hopefully his son, um, you know, will be able to fly in as well. Cause he, you know, hasn't been able to visit his own parents and, um, you know, and you're, really- just, you're wondering what, what is going to be uncovered. I mean, it's uh, how, how your mother, even to find a, a lawyer when you don't have much money and you're in Hollywood and you've got the, one of the richest men in Hollywood. I, I, I can't, right. I, I mean, how do you even find a lawyer? I, I wouldn't know what okay. to do. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm curious about now, you know, I mean, I have, hopefully there'll be some answers. I mean, I have, you know, stories 
that my mother was was able to give me. And and one of the the things involves the lawyer. And she um, the way I always understood was that she went to court, you know, as first without a lawyer, you know, not just to be told of they were going to file a paternity suit. Uh. And as she was leaving a a man with a business card, which I'm assuming is Milton, um, came to her and said, take my card. You're going to need a lawyer. Now, I don't know. He, he, I mean, I'm assuming he, he, he handled it pro bono. I mean, maybe Bing paid his fees because, you know, they, they were ruled in favor of them, but um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. And, and that was like the first thing I, I asked him when I spoke to him on the phone, I said, how did you meet my mother? And he said, God, I, I got to think about that. You know, he's so we got to be patient and hopefully I, I will get, wow. uh, get some, get some story here. That's just absolutely extraordinary. Honestly, Denise, I mean, uh, it, it would be hard to sleep. Uh, not knowing what that information he has. Extraordinary. Did your mother get a bigger settlement after the paternity case? I mean, how, no, no, no. It just, it just, what, what. She was just what, dragged to the mud. That's all. Just what, dragged what, to the mud. What it was going to do was it was going to erase the $80 a week. So oh what, my it, God. what it solved was it, um, it, it confirmed the $80 a week until the day I turned 21. It, it kept that in place. Um, but oh, what, what the, 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 the charade of this, of this um, trial, the, the, the actors that came up that, you know, being new oh. and hired to testify lying against my mother, trying to, you know, paint her as a Jezebel, you know, that yeah. this could have been bothered by anyone, you know? Yeah. And um, the, 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 the old classic story of, you know, the, the trashy woman, blame it on her. And, Ugh. and um, you know, that's what they tried to do and it didn't work. The jury didn't buy it. And they could clearly see that um, I was, you know, that, that was probably my first acting job. <laughs> and you and you nailed it. You nailed I, it, honey. I, I nailed it. I felt that roar of that audience and I went, I, I want some of this. I like well, this feeling. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids. And for parents, try three new brainy chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, well, you were so adorable. How could you not have completely gotten it? But I would like to see the witness list that Bing had. I would love to see yeah. the names on that list, wouldn't you? Well, um, you know, the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, one of my cousins is a lawyer. And I'm actually going to get together with him on Friday. And I'm go- he doesn't know, you know, this news yet. And, um, I, you know, he. I'm going to try to get some information about actually getting the transcripts from, yeah. from you know, how, how do I go about that now? Right. Uh, right. I, I would think that uh, O'Melveny and Myers probably owes me. Uh, I mean, I, if I, if I petitioned them, I, I think I, I think I would be entitled to that. I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. so but, but Steve, my cousin, Steve will really, um, no, he'll know. He's, oh God. Yeah. He's, he's a, a fine lawyer and he's been a, a lobbyist and, you know, he worked for Paul Allen for many, many years. So. 
Well, that is one of the most extraordinary stories of the entire pandemic, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> really, uh, I can't. I can't wait to uh, find out. You know what information it turns up, and I hope it's something that's that's positive for you. Finally, to get some closure on it. Um, you went to Hollywood High School. I did. I, A you bit. Part, part of it. Well, you're the only person I know who went to Hollywood High School. I want to know who was in your class. Oh my gosh! Wait a minute. Let's see. Hollywood High. Well, you know, you know who went to Hollywood High? Um, Rita Wilson, who's married to Tom Hanks. Right. Um, That's right. Rita and I were really good friends growing up. Um, mostly in in junior high, we we um, we sang together in a um, a Christian coffee house singing group called The Way Home. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, I love that. Isn't oh. that cool? It was up, you know, the first Presbyterian church up there on Gower? Yeah, by you, by not far yeah. from you. Right, right. Um, that was where we would go on um, Thursday after school. It was called TNC, Thursday Nightclub. And we, it was kind of a, it was run by a bunch of like hippie ex-addicts who were born again. Okay. And so it had a kind of groovy vibe. You know, it wasn't like a bunch of uh, Bible whacking, you know, roll, <laughs> holy rollers. It, you know, it would have like everybody had guitars and they had long hair and we'd, you know, sit around and sing, you know, like um, Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all <laughs> right, right with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I know. Yeah. So yeah, Rita was Rita was there, and and um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think what I wasn't really into theater or anything. Rita and I were Hollywood High cheerleaders. Ooh, there you go. There you go. We went to we went kind of the the social the social route until I had um, like almost like a crisis in eleventh grade, and I transferred to North Hollywood High. I just so wanted start over. Why? What happened? You know, I think I had, I'd gone to somewhere in the summer and I started reading like, I don't know, philosophical books and Krishnamurti and different things. And it, I felt like everything that I thought I wanted and thought I needed to be was, um, not what I was, it didn't make me happy. It wasn't my values anymore, you know? So I, I just, the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back was when I was nominated to be the homecoming princess and I didn't want to be. Hmm. And I was called into the vice principal's office and they said, what, what do you mean you don't want to be? That's an incredible privilege and honor. And, and, you know, you represent the school and your class and you I said, but that's not what I mean. I don't want to be that. And I, I soon left the school. Wow. I knew I had known a couple kids that had gone to, that were at North Hollywood high. And I just thought, you know, I can, uh, I gave a different address, you know, as, as one does in public school and, and, um, and got in and, I just, you know, I could drive by then. I had to wait till I could drive because my parents certainly weren't going to schlep me over Laurel Canyon to school every day. That's where I, where I ended up uh, finishing. Wow. And then, and then you went to, you, you studied, what did you study when you went? You went to uh, college for a couple of years. Where, where did you go? You went well, with I, went up to, I, I went up to, you know, I went up to Santa Cruz um, and I was at Cabrillo and really right. what I, what I wanted to do, I wanted to um, study journalism. That was, you know, I had written in the, for the school newspaper and I loved, um, I loved the news and I thought maybe I would be even be a, you know, reporter or something. I just wanted to head into that area. And one of the things you had to do um, is take speech class. And so I was in the speech class and somebody 
mentioned they were uh, doing a play and you should, you should try out for the play. You'd be great in this, um, the, you know, the, the fall play. And I thought, well, I, you know, I hadn't really acted. I mean, just like little funky things as, as a kid, but nothing, you know, seriously. And um, I tried out for this play and got it. What was and, the play? You know, what was the play? Do you remember? It's the, Gates. It's called The Contrast. And it's written by a playwright named Royal Tyler. And it was written in 1776. It's considered the first American play. No way. Wow. I don't know that one. 1776. So it was, it was for the centennial. Huh. Bicentennial. Where were we at? Bicentennial. It was for the bicentennial, in honor of the bicentennial. And, um, oh my God, it's dreadful. (laughs) <laughs> it is beyond dreadful. I, I you know, I was, I, it's a bodice ripper, ba- basically. I'm, I'm, you know, corseted into this thing with a big white powder wig. And I'm the daughter of this, you know, wealthy to do family in DC, but I'm in love with a Native American. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it kind of, but it, you know, it's, it's dated. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sing, I had to sing a cappella on stage alone, the death song of the Altamook Indians. Oh my God. I would love to hear that. You know, I would. <laughs> One day I'll, I'll pull it out. And, and, and when we're back at a con or something, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go, this is for Gates. Yeah. We'll have a, we'll have a glass of wine and I want to hear that. You can teach me. <laughs> So, all right. So another thing I want to talk about with you in particular is um, parenting. It obviously was very, very hard on your mother with all of the trauma of that trial and everything. And for a while she was a single parent, then she, she was in a relationship. But you are such an amazing parent. Talk about the difference, if you can, about um, the challenges, for example, your mother had as a parent versus the challenges you had as a parent. I mean, I want to talk about this kind of stuff for a while. I've been, I've been asking a lot of, the, of our friends about this because I think, I mean, first of all, the p- pandemic has been so brutal on young people. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, you know, there was your son who's this brilliant, brilliant uh, pitcher, uh, scholarship to USC, phenomenal. Uh, and I don't know how it's impacted, the pandemic has impacted what was going on for him sports-wise. But um, just talk a little bit about being a parent and the, the difficulties that your mother had versus the difficulties that you had in L.A. and, you know, doing both of you with your careers. Well, I mean, the most obvious um, being that I had a partner. I have a partner to parent with and, um, you know, and a, and a real partner, not just, you know, some, a guy that goes off to work each day and, you know, expects the duties to fall on me. I mean, that is still a very real, um, dynamic in, in people's lives that I've seen. Um, but we, and again, we both were older, you know, my mom was very young. Um, she was, you know, when she had me, she was 25. And, you know, I think of myself at 25 and uh, (laughs) I mean, I I can't imagine uh, suddenly grinding to a halt my, my ideas and my freedom and my growth and, you know, caring for, for, for something, you know, that needed you completely. Um, so, so Ken and I were really, really ready to have a child. So it was, it was just such a different approach to, to, to the very beginning. Right. Um, so that being said, I mean, as you know, it's, uh, you, you don't, they don't come with a how-to manual, you know, and you wait, you, of, you wait, I got my manual. You did. Man, come on. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you did, I, you, I, it was in the bottom of the box. Uh, God, I, you know, I couldn't even get the car seat in the back of the car, you know, <laughs> the, 
the nurse had to come out and snap it in, you know, I, I, it was like that, that was an indicator right there. It was like, I, you know, Ken and I brought Augie home and sat him on the dining room table in the little carrier and went, Oh God, what do we do now? What do we do now? Um, but yeah, you know, so, so you're, you're just, uh, the, the challenges are, are, are many, you know, um, the challenges for, for Ken and I, our relationship um, becomes one totally focused on the child and we yeah. lost, you know, yeah. it, we had some, we had some difficult uh, uh, years there. Um, and, you know, fortunately we, we, you know, circled back and figured it out and, and worked on our relationship, but we had, we had become pretty, you know, strangers to each other. Hmm. Uh, you know, the, the kids, it's, they're just the, the, the exposure to stuff, you know, that we certainly, you know, we, we found our own troubles, but, but man, these guys just with the internet and, and, you know, what they're, what's available to them um, so readily. And uh, all of that is, is a whole other, um, you know, dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, to me, when you said you left and went to a new high school in 11th grade, no one would dare do that these days because there's so much pressure when you're in the 11th grade anywhere. And people are like, oh my God, I got to get into college. I got to take APs and all that. It's yeah. insane. It's absolutely insanity in this country, the way people spend so much money and time, which I, I think it was actually very perfect that we had this big scandal about getting kids in because it's absurd. And mm-hmm. I mean, as I've taught in all kinds of colleges and it does not matter if you are in the college with the prestige what matters is what you do when you are in the college you're in you know you are absolutely right and there've been many great um opinion pieces written about this i remember a number of years ago nicholas christoph in the new york times wrote on this very topic that um he profiled two students who did everything right. They crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's, took all the APs, volunteered, did, you know, their, their resumes looked pristine. They did everything they were told to do and they couldn't get in the colleges that they applied to. So they ended up going to maybe their, you know, down the list and they, they were thriving. It was yeah. exactly where they needed to be. Yeah, exactly. Because That's... That's the thing. You know, when I was teaching at NYU in the grad program, which is an extraordinary program, no mistake, it's wonderful, but it is not for everyone. There are some people who would do much better where they could be the star in their program and they would actually develop so much faster and so much more thoroughly if they were given more chances. I, I think I think it's really important that you listen to your child and you not push them to go where you think they should go. It's important they make their own choices. You know, you are uh, so right. There is, I mean, you, you just made me think of a, a, I didn't read a lot of parenting books, you know, but um, there was one that I came across and it was called The Blessing of the Skinned Knee. And it was written, it's written by a, um, a sociologist, a woman and a child sociologist. And she uses this kind of these ideas that if your son or your child, if your child is a baker, let them be the baker. Don't try to make them the astronaut. And it sounds really simplistic. And yet uh, so many don't do that. And, you know, this is, this is the tragedy, you know, with kids, they will, they need to, you gotta, you gotta find out who they are and help them be that. Exactly. And also they, you have to allow them to learn their lessons and, yes. and, and make choices that allow them to fail and still love them and go, you're going to be fine because you've got all these other chances to succeed. And what do we learn from this? What do we learn from this, you know, skinned knee? The blessing of the skinned knee, you know, the falling down. Right. So let's talk about that. You know, let's let's look at that. 
let's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always a, a, an opportunity, you know, for you to learn and teach and, and, uh, and, and, and the trust is built that way. Right. And I, I know that you have a good relationship with Augie, and I certainly feel I have a good relationship with my son. And it's really important to me. Uh, if you can't talk to your children or you can't talk to your parents, that's a real loss because that's how, that's how I've learned a lot about myself because children hold up a mirror to their parents. And boy, you got to oh. see, see what you see, you know? Yeah. Uh, you have done now for several times, I believe, writing workshops, and it's with a particular teacher. What's mm-hmm. the name of the person you, you are taking these workshops with? So I am working with Jack Grapes. Jack is very, very well known in the writing community, certainly here in LA, but you know, he was, he was a founding member of Beyond Baroque in Venice and he started, um, a, um, on the Bus, which is an anthology writer's literary magazine. He and Charles Bukowski were very, very close, and he was Hmm. instrumental in uh, getting um, Bukowski read and published. And Jack is a poet. He's he's, um, produced volumes of of poetry. He probably is the most knowledgeable person I have ever, ever met about writing, writers, their work, their language, uh, the times they lived, what they were, you know, what was going on around them. I, I, it's just astounding to his wealth of knowledge. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in an intercessional class right now, which means um, my next level I go to in, begins April 21st, I think, with Jack. Um, so in the meantime, I'm doing a, uh, a writing workshop with his assistant, uh, Lisa, who is Lisa Siegel, who is, uh, as extraordinary of a, of a poet and writer. And, um, it's just, you know, it just keeps me, keeps me, uh, uh, kind of holds me accountable, you know, because I, I, you know, writing, most writers, love having written, but the writing process is tough. What, what for you is the hardest part about writing? I mean, and what, what do you write? Do you write fiction or do you write autobiographical things or what's the hardest part? And and what are your subjects that you tend to, to fall on? You know, right now, um, so I just finished, he, he, Jack has, um, has written two writing books and, he has um, f- like formed a technique and he calls it method writing. And it's really comes out of his training as an actor, you know, um, with bar- taking what Stanislavski talked to and, and, the, and the school of method acting into the writing vernacular. So, you know, Jack comes out of the second city in Chicago and, Oh, wow. Okay. He studied. Yeah. So he's, he's really from an actor's background, but his technique is really, is really sitting down and writing journal entries, but you're doing these certain exercises within that there's voices that you're, 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 um, not voices in your head, but, but like actual writing voices, there's, there's something called straight talk, which is like, Hey, you got to see something, you know, uh, you're not going to believe what I just saw. And I'm telling you, you know, you <laughs> right. Know, right. Yeah. You know, that kind of, that kind of noirish. um, there's, there's voices that you're learning how to write in. So you can, you can fluidly go in and out of that kind of thing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I've just finished level two. I'm about to go into level three. There's five levels. After you finish the five levels, there are writers who are doing something I, I, I find so extraordinary. He'll assign a poet to them or he'll assign another novelist. Let's say he assigns Flannery O'Connor. So you go away and you read, you just let Flannery's writing wash over you. And then you write in, her in voice. that book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And, and, um, I, you know, I'm just hearing people are at all different levels in the class. Some have written books already. Some are on at work on a, a memoir. Um, some are poets, some are beginning. So, so let me ask you an odd question maybe, but what have you learned about yourself through these, the exercise of writing, writing uh, in your journal? I would think that it would be quite illuminating. Yeah. It's extraordinary. If you get out of your own way and just let these expressions come and these, it, it can be quite astounding. The, the great thing about method writing, what he, he really confirms and, and reminds you is don't, don't worry about the story. Don't worry. Don't get out of your head. Don't worry about the story. Just don't have even a topic set, hmm. you know? Hmm. So you open your, I open my journal each day to a blank page. And sometimes I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm like, I got, I got nothing. Hmm. I, I, don't, I don't even know. But he just said, just, he likes to use this phrase. I went to Ralph's to get a chicken. <laughs> if you seriously have nothing, if you have nothing, write that sentence down. Oh, I love it. And, and all of a sudden you're writing. That's so so cool. listen, on that note, I have my first published piece coming out. Really? Yeah. So um, there's an anthology that I'm going to be part of called Side Eye on the Apocalypse. And it's being put out by um, Bamba's Press. And we, they are in the final um, sort of layout right now. I hope to have it, you know, by, by summer. So wait, um, is it is it science fiction? What is it? It's 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 people's writing that um, over the course of this pandemic. Oh, cool! Very so. Cool. Yeah, I'm really excited. It, it doesn't even have to be. It's my piece is not about the pandemic. Right. It, it just, it's I wrote it during this this time, and um, it's kind of really wow. I'm 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 really excited about that, and you know there'll be hard copies, and you'll be able to get it on Amazon. And, That's you know, so wonderful. Well, congratulations, honey. That is really cool. What uh, so is it? Is it an essay? Is it a personal? What is it? A story? What is it? Yeah, it's 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 called the bright red stain, and it's sort of a, 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 a kind of a magical surrealism piece that I, I wrote. Oh, fantastic. Well, <laughs> you, you have a fantastic mind, so I, I'll, I'm buying it. I'll tell you that you'll have to, we'll have to put that on the, on the website. So people will know where they can buy it. I think that's really terrific. When did you notice that you first started to get into, um, the visual arts and aesthetics? Because I feel you really have a good eye for that. And it, and in fact, I remember that you were the only person in Next Gen who listened to the same music as I did, which was Morning Becomes Eclectic and things yeah. like that. You know, like we knew that, that people who were a little bit not quite in the, they weren't pop, because I, I don't really listen to pop. And when did you notice in your life that you started to get into visual arts? For me, you know, it's different for everybody. My mother, with her very limited resources, I think had a wonderful eye mm -hmm. uh, for like design mm -hmm. and aesthetics, but it wasn't until I really started traveling and going to school and had friends who had, you know, would talk about art and took classes and things like that, that I, I started to, to really, really 
uh, appreciate. And just living in Europe makes you, I mean, you turn every corner and there's something that's astonishing. No doubt. I, I, I think that, yeah, I, I was thinking about Europe, you know, certainly the first time I went to Europe. But I think it probably definitely started, you know, towards my my senior year, probably in high school. You know, there were I was taking art classes and ceramics classes. And, and you know, by the time I was a senior, I had, I had I, you know, fulfilled my my major uh you know, requirements. So it was, it was really, I just needed the credit. So, you know, I, I just filled them with like horticulture and <laughs> ceramics yeah. and tennis and, you know, I mean, it was silly, but it was cool. And I was around artists. Um, and I mean, remember one kid who was just struggling with, um, with, with school, you know, he, he wasn't, uh, uh, academic in the in the way that you know getting A's and stuff. And he fi- they finally said to hell with this. Drop it, and he went to Cal Arts, you know, uh-huh. in, in, and just bloomed. You know, he's yeah. just become a wonderful painter. And um, so yes, you start to you you know certain mu- music kind of. I, I mean, once I started listening to Bowie, oh, um, yeah. yeah, you know, in high school that was a key that unlocked doors. And I went, what is this? You know, I mean, how does he look like this? What is he, the theatrics he was doing, the poetry he was writing, you know, his lyrics, you know, that, that begins, it's like an onion, you know, the, the layers of the skin starts peeling. You start peeling back the onion and then he had so much courage. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Right. And and then I went to Europe. I I was taken by a, a couple designers to model their California designs in Europe for the for the first time. I mean, you know, how, how old I'm you? like 21, I think, 20 or 21. I went to I did shows in London, Paris, and Munich. Wow. And I settled back on uh, I came back to London. Um, I, I, I fell in love with London. I got an agent there, um, a modeling agent. And there were two of us that went, uh, and she was, um, this is a cool story. So she was dating the head of like WEA records, which was their English Warner brothers records. We were living at, uh, in Jimi Hendrix's old flat in 13 South Moulton Street. And it was, um, the apartment was up above a really Tony London store like Brown's. And Brown's was was actually, it might still be actually on South Moulton Street. It might've been above that. So, you know, we were, um, we had this great place. I, I didn't even realize it at the time how great this apartment was, but I was starting to meet local, um, local people. And, and, uh, I, I started dating this, this guy, um, who was doing my hair at all these shows. He's one of the biggest hairdressers in London right now. Yeah. Nikki Clark. He was, he was like 19 and, and he was doing my hair and he and I just, we, we had this mad affair and, I come back to eventually to the States. I, I never really talked to him again. Um, but he, I was in London a couple of years ago and I'm walking around in Mayfair and there's this enormous, like Vidal Sassoon <laughs> building and it's Nikki Clark. Oh my gosh. Said, oh my, and with a big picture of Fergie in the window, like he oh had done. Oh God. Her, you know? So I went in, I went in and I said, oh my God, is Nikki here by chance? He was not. Uh, So I said, I want to, can I, I'm an old, old friend visiting from the States. Can I leave him a note? And they said, oh, absolutely. So I write down, well, I guess we both didn't do too badly. Love you. (laughs) I'm sorry I missed you. And signed my name. Oh, wow. That's so great. So who were the two people that were the designers and how did, were you modeling already in, in uh, Los Angeles? No, no. Um, okay. There was a fabulous woman named Harriet Selwyn and um, 
she had a very specific kind of drapey, almost Halston-like quality, mm. like, a, like a, you know, a matte jersey drape. She was yep. known for. So Harriet, um, wrapping my, racking my brain here. One was a much more casual kind of tunics and leggings. And there was one other, like, I, wow, I can't remember. And you but, had just um, met them. You had just met them and they said, well, and- yeah, what, how it was is I was working on a shop at a shop on Ventura Boulevard. Um, it was a lapidarian. So I was learning, I was cutting gemstones. Oh, wow. It was a very trippy, hippie little shop on, on Ventura. I, I, I knew this guy, Chris, through his girlfriend who was in my grade at North Hollywood High in my ceramics class. And <laughs> said, why don't you come and um, you could get a job, you know, basically uh, after school or, or, well, let's see, had I, no, this was even earlier than, so I must have been about 18 or 19 when I went to, because I hadn't gone to, wait a minute, did I go to, San, no, I had gone to Santa Cruz and come back, right, okay. So then I was working in the shop on Ventura and this guy came in who was a designer and he said, you know, we're going to, we're going to do some shows, some runway shows here. Would you be interested? The pay is, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever. And um, I said, sure. Okay. That sounds cool. So I went and did a couple of like shows here, like down at the California Fashion Mart or whatever. And um, modeling wasn't, it wasn't that big here. I, you know, not like New York, obviously, right. or, or Paris or something. It, it, the California designers were, were trying to get on the map. And so that's why going to Europe, you know, for the first time was like such a big deal for them. Oh, that's cool. Did you go to Paris or did you I just did. go to London? Oh, wow. No, I went to London, Paris. Did a show in Paris and a show in uh, Munich. Oh, wow. Yeah, you said Munich. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Paris was great. We're, we stayed at, um, oh, my God. I think it was like Salvador Dali's old suite in some hotel. Oh, my God. Right? And we had the clothes with us. The racks of clothes were in our room. Oh, fabulous. I thought we were just like. We were insane. We were like drinking champagne, changing outfits every 10 minutes. And Wow. That was that yeah. was what I I had hoped that I'd have something like that in Paris when I was in when I was 20. But man, it was it, doing theater at school there was uh, we weren't drinking champagne. We were <laughs> How did you meet um so what oh I know this is this is a question you don't have to answer if you don't want, but I was just thinking it would be amusing. Without I'm not talking about the relationships, but what was the difference in your first wedding and your second wedding? <laughs> you know, it's funny. It both are about as eclectic and eccentric as they come. So first, so Jeffrey Edwards uh, was my first husband and we eloped first down to Cabo San Lucas. We, we thought we could, um, we, we went to the, the little mayor or courthouse in the center of town and in, in Cabo, we had run in, Jeff knew this guy um, who happened to be staying at the same hotel we were. He was there on a fishing trip with his father, totally impromptu, ran into this guy, Bart, I think his name was, oh my God, I can't believe, Bart Pettyclair. Bart was <laughs> nursing a, a divorce and he gave Jeff his Harley Davidson ring. We didn't even have ring <laughs> to get married in. And Bart's father was there who had written with Hemingway, had written what? like the screenplay to one of Hemingway's, like the, the old man in the sea or something like that, you know? And they, they it, it was just surreal. So, but we couldn't, it, there was some, there was some glitch. We couldn't, um, we had to stick around or it was taking too much time for the, for, for us to get the, the license or something before we could get actually married. So we said, you know, trip, trip's over, we're coming to an end. So we came back to LA and very soon went to Vegas <laughs> oh. and got a lot, you know, you can buy a 
license, a wedding license on, you know, for like a dime in, in Vegas. And we got married at the wee Kirk of the Heather (laughs) church on the strip there in broad daylight. You know, it was like 110 degrees and 35 inside the church. And this, you know, this woman comes out, you know, she talks like this, you know, do you want the corsage? It's more, it's $10 more. You want, you want, you want music? That's another 10. Uh, you want, you want a button? That's, that's 10. Said, no, no, just, just, you know, we don't want, we want nothing. Uh, and, and we got through the ceremony and we were then married and we went, they happened to have a, um, a car, a, a car show at a car museum where we, we, we went to see Hitler's Mercedes. That, that was my honeymoon. <laughs> I think we drank Bloody Mary's all day and, and got on a plane that night and back to LA. Oh my so Lord. That, that was, that was number one. Number two which I'm happily still on here. Um, Okay, so our intention was to get married at the uh, Self-Realization Fellowship down here on Sunset. You know, the beautiful- Yeah, um, it's beautiful. Multi-religious things run by the brothers. We went, we we had kind of a session with one of the brothers there, uh, gave us material to read and really tried to, you know, make sure we- this was what we wanted to do. And we were going to get married. We were going to get married on, on what's called Gandhi's lawn. Some of Gandhi's ashes are sprinkled on the lawn there. So um, in the meantime, we went to Santa Barbara to get our license. We had tried once here in LA and it was like, you had to wait for hours. At the, it was, mm. It's on Cesar Chavez Boulevard. We said, our friends said, go to Santa Barbara. It's beautiful. You go to the courthouse and you, you get your license and you, you know, so we drive up and we go to that beautiful Santa Barbara courthouse and we walk in and it's like lunchtime and we go to the register and she said, oh, great. Okay. I'll have this ready. Why don't you two go to lunch and um, come back and it'll be all ready for you. So Ken and I went to a little Mexican restaurant down the block, had lunch and over margaritas, we said, let's just get married. Let's just uh-huh. do it now. And wow. we said, great, let's do it. So we go back to the courthouse and we go to the registrar and um, we said, you know what? We want to get married right now. We're going to do it. We got the license. We're ready. Wow. And she goes, oh, God, that's just lovely. Well, let me find a judge. Now it's <laughs> in the afternoon and all the judges are in session. They're all in session. And she goes, oh, no. Oh, I have an idea. There's one judge. He's retired. But he sometimes will come, we can bring him in for, for this. He'll come and do this. So she gets him on the phone. And he is up in Goleta at his house, but he's babysitting his grandson. So he <laughs> says to her, would they come to us? Would they come uh-huh. to me? So I get on the phone with this judge. Now, this is before, you know, Waze. So he right. describes to me how to, how to drive to his house. And Ken and I got married in this judge's living room. <laughs> and it, he gets, goes in the closet, puts on his robe. He's got his little, you know, ceremony thing. He's got an Apache uh, wedding blessing. And he wraps us in an Apache blanket as one. Oh, cool. I know. His, his Springer Spaniel is sitting on the couch. And this is what I distinctly remember. He had a jigsaw puzzle of a famous Toulouse-Lautrec painting hanging on the wall. (laughs) I love it. So we got married, came back down to L.A. And I remember it was um, Clinton's uh, having a State of the Union address. So there we were. We watched that. that. That was our honeymoon. Wow. That's amazing. Really amazing. (laughs) Gosh. It makes for, you know, it's so out there that, you know, later I had a dinner, we had a dinner party of like, you know, 10 uh, friends at a restaurant. Um, But this one couple had some friends visiting from France and they were telling them this story. And do you know, they went and got the exact same wedding. 
No. Oh my God. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. They loved it so much. They said, that's, that's what we want to do. See, that's beautiful. I, I mean, it's very you. I, I don't, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say that it's not Ken, but it certainly is very you. And it's great. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful part of you actually. Um, uh, yeah. You should write about these things. You, you have more stories than anyone I know. Um, <laughs> no, it's true. great. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I haven't even, great. You gave me my next, uh, my next writing assignment. It's fantastic. No, no, I I love it. Um, Well, you are, um, you're amazing. And I love that you keep growing and doing different things. And uh, I I don't see you enough. I wish we were not so far away driving wise, but I'm very grateful for you taking time away because I know you're super busy right now. And uh, this has been really wonderful. I I love you. And thank you very much for sharing so many of your wonderful, wonderful life stories. It's it's great. I love you you too, honey. I'm so glad you, man, you just got this going so quickly and so well. And, um, you know, all the best. I'll keep you posted with uh, Milton Zerner as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I mean, who wouldn't be? It's, uh, right. I, I hope it's really wonderful. Okay, darling, I love you. Love Talk you to too. you soon. Okay. okay be well. Bye. Bye. Yes, indeed. Denise continues to astonish with the breadth of her talents, from Trekkies to Tasha to Pet Cemetery to her multitude of acting roles, and now to her writing. Stories about her life, I hope, for she has lived a most fascinating life. And let me tell you, she is someone to keep your eye on as her next project evolves. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you will tune in next week for a new episode of Investigates, Who Do You Think You Are? And in the meantime, stay safe.